Welcome to the Adventure Life Podcast, where we are finding adventure in the God of every day. And now your host, Will Ratcliffe. Do not quench the spirit. Do not utterly reject prophecies, but examine everything. Hold firmly to that which is good. That verse comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and is a verse that has helped guide my life and my faith journey over the last few years. You know, you might consider adopting it for yours. And here's why. There will be times when I talk about something or have a guest on the show that you disagree with, something they say or something they believe or something that you question or doubt. And I want you to know that's okay. It's part of the journey, actually. But I also want you to examine those things. Don't just outright reject something because you disagree with it. And don't just agree because it aligns with your beliefs or because somebody says it from a pulpit or on television. But it's good to test and examine what we believe regularly, know why we believe, and have evidence to back it up. So last week, Wayne Jacobson joined me on the show. I've known Wayne for quite a few years and was introduced to his work a few years before that. And there was a time where I really questioned some of his beliefs and things that he wrote about, especially regarding the church. I hope to have him back on at some point to discuss some of those things, but I didn't utterly reject them. I began to examine them and to really question them in light of scripture, my own experience, relationship with the Father, and slowly some of those beliefs began to change. Hey everyone, welcome to the Adventure Life Podcast. I'm Will Ratliff, and I'm glad you're here. If you missed last week's podcast, you might want to go back and listen to it. I have a conversation with author, podcaster, and my friend Wayne Jacobson. We talked about what it means to live loved, to be drawn into a space where you know without a shadow of a doubt that God loves you and is inviting us into a very different way of living and trusting Him. So I want to reflect a little bit more on the conversation I had with Wayne, give some more thoughts about living loved, as well as share a bit of my own journey in that area. But before we dive into that, I want to share an email I got from a listener and friend, and this is from Janie in Texas. And Janie writes this, Will, thank you for your excellent podcast. I've always had that obligation, guilt feeling about my spirituality. My mom drilled it in my head. If I did anything wrong, God would punish me. And I remember having a conversation with a Christian friend talking about a sick family member. She made the comment that maybe they had done something wrong in their life and God was punishing them by making them ill. I know now that is untrue, but at the time I actually believed it. I still have moments of guilt if I don't read my Bible and read my devotion, something wrong will happen. Your podcast took some weight off my shoulders to realize there is true freedom in Christ. The weight I feel is of my own doing. Thank you, Will. I look forward to listening to future podcasts. So thanks, Janie, for that email. And you know, there's there's so much in that email uh, that we could talk about. But I, you know, that's one of the purposes of this podcast because I want you to know the freedom that you have in Christ. And so I'm glad it took some weight off your shoulders. But I also don't want you to feel guilty or feel bad about, you know, if you believe that, if you if you buy into those things, because it's, you know, we do put that on ourselves. But there's oftentimes that others put that on us as as well. And so there's a lot of damage that can be done by religion and religious thinking. We can be led to believe things about God that just aren't true and really can only be backed up by taking verses in the Bible out of context or not understanding how the old covenant versus the new covenant works. But as we learn to live in this different space of living loved, we begin to recognize things that just don't add up and that don't align with what the Bible really says about who God is. So if you think about this idea of God making people sick because they were, you know, they did something wrong or they were disobedient, how messed up is that? And yet people believe this and they're led to believe it because someone they trust says it, whether it's a friend, pastor or teacher. 
But let's stop and examine this thinking for just a, just a minute. Let's look at it in human terms. What kind of father would make their kids sick because they disobeyed? If you heard that happen to a kid you knew, what would you think of that dad? Abusive, right, or evil, or maybe both? And yet we project that onto God. And what does that say about our view of God then? So, And again, that's not to uh, make you feel bad or make you feel guilty, but it's just to let, let's look at it and examine it. How do we even line that up with what the Bible says about God, especially in the New Testament? 1 John 4 says that God is love. He is the very essence of love, and yet our beliefs and views of God don't always align or match up with that. I know mine didn't for a long time, and I had to trust my way out of those. and had to learn to really rely on you know, my own knowledge of Scripture and just uh, in my relationship with Father. So how are we okay with those inconsistencies? And how have we been okay with that for so long? Many times we're okay with Jesus and how he treated people, but then we see God as this heavy-handed taskmaster or heavenly judge that's just waiting at the ready with lightning bolt in hand to strike us down if we mess up. I hear the statement quite a bit, oh, better watch out, don't want to lie in church, or you know, God's watching, better not say or do that. And it's used to manipulate people into better behavior. And many times people are either joking or they're half-joking, but that joke really does come from a belief about how we view God. And there was a time in my own life I thought I really did understand about God's love and mercy and what it meant for me. And I think I did to a point. But as I've gotten to know others on this journey, like Wayne, I've gotten an even greater glimpse at different aspects of God's love, things that I had never even thought about. It would include things like the, re the reality of the cross and viewing it as curative rather than punitive. And how God's love and not his judgment or wrath heals my own personal demons and struggles. Or how a right view of God's forgiveness enables me to forgive myself. And the list goes on and on. And the same can be true for you in your journey as you engage with other brothers and sisters who are on a similar journey or who might be a step or two ahead in their adventure. Relax and rest and trust that God will speak into that space when you're ready. And try not to get frustrated. There have been moments in my own life where I've wanted things to happen sooner or wish I'd known or been exposed to certain things years before I was. But I've also learned to trust God's timing. And I remember there were different viewpoints I can recall being exposed to years ago and rejecting some of the things that I now embrace. So you never know when there are moments when God is planting seeds and then those germinate into something beautiful at a different point in your journey. So what Wayne talked about when he mentioned God winning us into a different reality are moments like that where you can look back and see how God has won your heart over the course of months or even years. And that's also where patience has to come in and plays a big role. If you see something in your life or in someone else's life that you want to experience, guess what? God knows that even before you do, and he is for you, but he also knows you intimately and knows where he's taking you and the how and when of all of it. He'll give us a step or two at a time at most, partially, I believe, so we don't get overwhelmed, and partially because the path he takes us on may not be the one we would choose on our own. So think back about Wayne's story with his wife or one of your own stories. Was it the path you would have chosen? But you see now that it was the best path to get you to where you are, and it's the path that will get you to where God wants you down the road. All of our journeys are unique to us, and the way he guides us can be unique to us as well, although we might have similar experiences on our journeys. I was recording the first episode a few weeks back and decided to save a thought for, for a different moment and different podcast. And while I was recording, I was trying to say guardrails and ended up saying Godrails, and I thought, man, that was too good of a Freudian slip not to share at some point. So we're often told, especially in religion, that we need to set up guardrails. And they're religion's way of keeping us on the right path. 
their self or others impose and have the look of legitimacy and appear to be right and righteous. But the reason we have them is because we or those that impose them on us are afraid that without them, we'll wander too far off the path and get into the weeds and maybe never come back. So this journey of the adventure life is one of trust, not only in God, but also in ourselves and in the new life and the new heart we have as believers, that we can and do hear from God and that he will provide the guardrails in our life. See what I did there? Where the religious guardrails are rigid and unmoving, these guardrails can be flexible and adaptable as we go. Now, are there ways that we can get off in the weeds and be following our own way and lose sight of God and where he wants us to go? Yeah, absolutely. But if we have the kind of relationship with God and allow his spirit to continually work in us, then we will begin to recognize those times and those moments and we'll be drawn back towards him and the direction that we need to be going. One of the things I've also learned from Wayne is that as Christians, we often look at sin as the the fun stuff we don't get to do instead of those things that really damage us and can inhibit our growth and impact the fullness of our relationship with God or others. They don't break our fellowship because God's always with us. But as we grow in our friendship with Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit, those things really will get less attractive to us, and the temptations will become less and less. If something is tempting or something looks attractive that I know is not good for me, ultimately, then I know there's probably something I'm missing about God's love, that if I knew it, then those things would not be as appealing. I think there are even good things or things that appear to be good that once we see Father's depth of love for us, then even some of those things are less enticing. And when I was in the ministry, I was a full-time pastor and worship leader, I would get caught up in the whole bigger and better approach to doing ministry. And at first, it seemed like you know it was the right thing to do, that it was the way to draw in people and make, quote-unquote, church relevant. Even before I began my journey into living loved, there were things that just began to disconnect as I learned to see from Father's eyes his desire for us as a people and as a body. So there are certain things which with which we all struggle, and there seems to be that one thing or, or two things, which always are lingering around and so hard to get rid of completely. And our typical response and my former response is to try and keep God out of that area. We try to keep it hidden. We try to handle it or fix it on our own. And maybe we can keep it at bay for a week or two or maybe even a few months. But it typically comes back and rears its ugly head. Then we repeat the process ad nauseum until we give up or get completely frustrated and wonder, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you know, why can't I get rid of that, this one sin or these couple of areas that just keep tripping me up? But when we learn to live love, we begin to invite God into those areas of our life instead of keeping him at bay, you know, where before we really wanted to keep him out. We know that he loves us and is for us and wants to help free us and heal us. And maybe there's an aspect of his love, like I mentioned before, that we don't quite get. Maybe there's something we need to release in our own life, whether it's forgiveness of self or someone else. And I would just simply ask God to show you what it is that you don't quite yet understand about his love for you or his work in your life that might free you of this issue. You might ask him to show you where the root of, of that all started and ask God where he was when that all started. And chances are you'll be amazed at what you might see or hear. When we begin to see that God is not repulsed by us, even in our sin, especially in our sin, we can really begin to heal and experience the life that he offers. He loves us and sent his son to reclaim and redeem what was lost in the garden, namely to connect with us on a personal level, to walk with us. What Jesus did on the cross covered your sin and my sin, past, present, and future for all time. There's an older Christian song that used to talk about when we sin, we nailed Jesus to the cross over and over again. And when I first heard that song, probably, it was probably a couple of decades ago or more now, I'm sure I thought, oh gosh, I'm so sorry, Jesus. 
you know, that I keep nailing you to the cross. But now after having understood, the cross was done once for all time and I understood how much God loves me and what Jesus did only happened and needed to happen one time. So Hebrews 7.27 says it like this, Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. So there's no need and no biblical stance even that says every time we sin, we nail Jesus to the cross again, and it's quite the contrary. What Jesus did, he only needed to do one time for all time. So you can be assured that you don't need to worry about that issue. And I hope you haven't been anyway. But I know that's a pretty popular Christian opinion and a Christian viewpoint. One of the other things that I really struggle with growing up is guilt and shame. And this goes really hand in hand with the struggle of sin and trying to get it under control under my own effort. I mentioned in a previous podcast episode that I'm a recovering perfectionist. And boy, did I try to be perfect and keep from making mistakes. I've spent countless hours reading the Bible, praying, confessing, telling God how sorry I am and that I'll do better. And I do for a time better, you know, get only to fall again later. And for many long years, the problem was that I was focusing on my sin itself and focusing on getting rid of it by myself. Early on in this part of my journey, I read a book by Watchman Nee called The Normal Christian Life. And he talks about how God loved us enough to not only take care of our sin, each individual sin, but also nullifies this sin factory in our lives. And it was a profound moment for me knowing that God has already won my victory not only with my sin, but also with my ability to sin and my desire to sin even. And it's another aspect of the rest that God invites us into. So we rest in the work that's already been done, and we rest in the work that God's doing and continues to do. So there's no punishment to fear, and there's no more condemnation. If you remember Romans chapter 8, verse 1 that I talked about a couple of podcasts ago, regardless of our actions. Now, is the goal to grow and move beyond the struggles Absolutely, but we know it's not based on what we do or don't do, but on our connection with Father and knowing that the victory is already ours in Jesus Christ. The punishment, the condemnation, the guilt, and shame was taken care of on the cross, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. The next week, another friend and I are going to talk more about life on this side of the cross and what the cross did and why we can live a grace-filled life because of it. There are those who would say that you need to make sure to confess your sins, both those you've committed and those that you might have committed but aren't aware of, and I think there's a place for confession. But on this side of the cross, it's less of a, Lord Jesus, forgive me for what I've done or haven't done or forgot to do or don't know, but you didn't like very much. I mean, that can get kind of ridiculous, right? Do you see how that kind of prayer is based on my effort of wanting to get things right and not miss anything? That it's ultimately based on a fear of missing something so that God isn't mad at me or doesn't punish me, you know, just in case. And so now, what minor prayers of confession sound like? Oh, Jesus, that was really stupid. I see that now. Will you show me what I'm missing about who you are and what your son has done that will help me untangle that issue in my life and get to the root of it here so that I can experience more of your freedom and life that you offer? You see the difference in those two prayers? One is based on my effort, really, and making sure I check the boxes and pray the right thing or confess all my prayers just in case. But let's, let's take that a bit further, just in case what? Just in case God will get angry with you? just in case you die and haven't confessed every sin? And if so, what are we afraid will happen then? If we leave this world with unconfessed sin, what do we think is going to happen? And that begs the question, what is our faith built on? Is God's mercy dependent on my actions or his? Is his grace built on my continuance of doing right? Or is it built on his character and who he is? Because I can tell you that God's grace is not dependent on my actions. 
And when has anyone ever been transformed by an angry God or judgmental God? Scripture says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Not his wrath or anger, not his discipline, his kindness. That's what draws us into a transformed life. And if you're listening to this, then that's what I pray for you and I pray you want for yourself. But it doesn't happen by doing better or trying to be better. It happens inside of that loving relationship. How do I know? Because I was that guy that was trying harder, trying to do the right thing, to to not mess up and hoping and praying that I was following God, going on the right path where he wanted me, when he wanted me, and the thing that I should be doing right then at that very moment, because I was afraid to miss it and mess up. And ultimately, that was because I wasn't resting in his love. I was resting in my own efforts and work. I wanted to be blessed by God and wanted to do great things for him. And I think that all that time I was missing the true thing because I was focused so much on myself and doing instead of just relaxing and being. And admittedly, admittedly, I still struggle with that at times, but it's less and less now. I used to feel guilty when I missed church or felt guilty about not sharing Jesus more with others around me. Now I know those are remnants of a past view about an attitude toward a God that I don't believe in anymore. But my image of God has shifted significantly. Some things have stayed the same, but there's a lot that has changed for the better, I believe, for me and also for others around me. When you have an angry and vengeful God, how easy is it to share him with others? No wonder people don't want to invite others to church or share about God because the God they know is like the one I thought I knew. That news about God is not so good, is it? But when you when you begin to see God as a loving father, when you see him longing to invite you in the divine, into the divine life, and when you see he sent his son as a cure to the cancer of sin that was plaguing us, when you also see that his intent was to restore our nature as image bearers that he called us to be from the very beginning, then who wouldn't want to hear about that and that God? And who would be hesitant to share that news? It's something that will flow naturally out of thanksgiving for what God's done versus guilt because I should share because the Bible says to, or my pastor or leader challenges me to. As I've relaxed into this new way of living, these conversations happen more naturally. I'm not forcing anything or trying to weave God into the conversation. These topics just naturally come up, and as I recognize those moments, I simply step into where I feel God is moving, and I'll share my perspective. This process is simple. And it's more simple than we typically think. It's not always easy because we're fighting past perspectives and paradigms. There was a lot that I had to learn and unlearn. In fact, there's a friend of mine that calls it a detox experience. (laughs) And it's true. I had to detox from certain things and views that were not helpful for me in in my own spiritual journey. But it's way more enjoyable because there's no pressure to perform or live up to these extremely high expectations that no one can live up to anyway. It's learning to listen and respond to those simple nudges and, again, being okay with getting it wrong. There's moments where I'm sure I still get it wrong, but I find myself being more and more okay with that as I settle into this new way of living and the invitation into his life. So that seems like a pretty good place to wrap for today. Next week, I have another friend coming on that I mentioned before, Jeff Fields. Jeff is, Jeff is one half of the Fields Brothers. Jeff and Roger Fields have a podcast called The Fields Brothers Show. They also wrote a book together called Breaking the Hex, Life with God After the Cross Killed Religion. So next week, we'll talk about grace and how we often mix grace and law together, how to live a more grace-filled life. I'll also be giving away not one, but two copies of their book. So be listening for how you can enter to win one of those. And I hope you have a good week. And I appreciate all the encouraging feedback I've received on this podcast. I'm having a ton of fun, and I've got some exciting guests and episode ideas lined up that I'm really eager to continue sharing with you. So peace, love, and grace to you. And until next week, my friends, live in the adventure that God has for you.